It's good to see you here this morning, and I hope you will stay with us this morning because after our gathering, there is lunch available. Uh, John and Alex are out there preparing something wonderful, I'm sure, and the idea is to keep you here and get you to connect with one another, and also the proceeds from the lunch are going towards our work south of the border in Mexico in About a month, we're going to be going, or less than a month actually, we're going to Mexico. We're going to have a young adults work trip down there. And then we're going again in January to the Vizcaino uh, Regional Pastors Conference. And so the money is going to go towards those things. So I hope you'll stick around and stay with us. Well, we're continuing our series on momentum. And as we move forward today... We're going to be talking about fear and worry. Does anybody here worry? Too much? Okay. Some of you didn't raise your hands. I know you're worried about raising your hands and what people will think of you. But let's pause and take a moment and pray before we begin this morning. Father, we do thank you for the time we have here together, Lord, as we look at this subject of fear and of worry, Lord, may we see how it has been driving our lives and and what fear and worry does to us, what it does to us physically and, and what it does to us in our relationship with you. And may we not only recognize these areas that need to change in direction, but may we this morning start to make the changes necessary to redirect our lives concerning this area. I do pray for clarity of thought. Lord, may you give us understanding to what your desire for our lives is. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 6. The scripture has a lot to say uh, about fear and a lot to say about worry. You know, there's a a passage in Psalm 56.3 that says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Isaiah 12 says, Verse 2 says something a little bit different. It kind of turns it around and says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. So it seems to indicate that when we are afraid, the remedy is to trust and to keep from being afraid. We need to trust. And so trust and fear have this interesting relationship, this interesting dynamic of working together and one affecting the other. And Jesus had a lot to say about worry. And we're going to look at some of those things and talk about it this morning. And so chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25. And Jesus said, Therefore, hold on my, therefore, there it is. It came, it flinched on me, had me worried. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we wear, eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As I was putting together this idea of a series on momentum, I was trying to think of things that take place in our lives that have been dominating how we behave, and some of these things we're not even aware of it. And it's been great. I've gotten a lot of response and feedback, good response, good feedback on the talks that we've been doing, and I appreciate that, and I hope it's helpful. And this one on fear is something that I think is probably the one least recognized in our lives. And you might be thinking, well, how does fear have momentum? What does the momentum of fear look like? In my life, and you would be surprised at how this shows up, and maybe you're not even aware of it. And so let me ask you this, okay? Think of an event that's a wonderful and exciting event that's happened, is happening, or you're looking forward to happening in your life. It could be anything. Think of an event. Go ahead and marriage. What else? Having babies. <laughs> Some of you shaking, no. <laughs> Those are the ones who've already had the babies, okay. <laughs> what else? What else? Anniversary? Being a grandparent. Okay. Think about these things that you just mentioned. How many times when one of these events that are supposed to bring joy into your life takes place or you're looking forward to it, Immediately after that, there is this worry and fear. You hear, oh, my friend is getting married. Hope it works out okay. Anyone? Having grandkids and you think, what a joy, and immediately there's fear. What if they're not healthy? What if something serious happens to them? What if they are born with some deficiency, have special needs? 
And right when this something of incredible joy is to take place, it seems like something comes crashing in to disrupt it. And it doesn't seem to matter what it is, there is this fear that starts to take over the conversation. I I can remember looking over my children when they were younger and sleeping. It'd be kind of creepy if it happened when they were older, right? But when they were just babies, sitting there or laying there in bed, I can remember looking over them, and as I'd be watching over them, I can think, remembering, thinking, oh man, they're so, this is just incredible. I love them when they're sleeping. You know, I I just, I, I just, they're beautiful, and I am enjoying this moment so much But I can remember, what happens if they were to die? Now, has anyone else ever had those kinds of thoughts happening when you you see your child and you're having this wonderful moment and then immediately this horrific thought comes in? What if they're ever in a, a car accident? You know, your daughter comes home, I got my license. And you're thinking, oh God, what if she gets in an accident? What if she crashes? What if she's, you know, maimed for the rest of, what if she dies? And immediately, instead of this enjoying the moment that she has her license and you don't have to drive her everywhere anymore, Immediately start worrying about what if. And what's happening is this fear is now taking over your life and dictating how you enjoy the moment. And so you're going to have an anniversary. You're going to enjoy some time with your spouse. I hope we don't get in a fight. You haven't even gone anywhere yet and you're worried about getting in a fight. What's happening? You're anticipating some kind of problem. And the reason we do that is because if we can anticipate it, it's easier to think about it now than to deal with it later. It's easier to live disappointed than to feel disappointed. And so what we start to do is live disappointed lives because we don't want disappointment to happen to us. And we have suffered disappointment, we have gone through things, and it has left an impact on our lives, and now it is driving how we live. Because we don't want that feeling. We don't want that to happen again. And so now what we do to shield ourselves from that disappointment, we expect it before it's even there. And what happens, we start living this life that is engulfed by fear, even when there's not a reason to be afraid. I read... uh, something that said one in every four Americans is worried about contracting the Ebola virus. Now, I'm wondering, I don't want to raise hands here because it would be interesting, but I know some of you have worried about contracting the Ebola virus. So far in the United States, We know of eight people. One has died. Out of 327 million people, 
Eight people have contracted it, and yet one in four Americans are worried about contracting it. Just think about that. Well, it could happen. It's most likely not going to. Right now, if you feel a little sick, the odds are you don't have Ebola. You should celebrate. I'm sick, but I'm pretty sure I don't have Ebola. There are more chances for you being struck by lightning. Over 300 people in the U.S. are injured by lightning every year. You should be afraid. When it's a cloudy day, you should go out there and think, oh my gosh. But we don't. Why? Because it's so rare. It's only 300 people out of 327 million. But eight people have Ebola and we can't stop watching the news. <gasps> There's another breakout. Breakout? It's one other person. Oh, and he lived. <gasps> he lived. And you see, fear is driving the hysteria so that you don't live and enjoy all the things. Now, fear does not mean you should not be concerned. There are some things you should be afraid of. And if you're a doctor treating a person with Ebola, you should take precautions. You shouldn't be stupid. See, if I were to say here this morning after our gathering and we're going to go out and have lunch together, but you might want to be careful because there's a wild tiger somewhere loose on the campus. You should be concerned, okay? Because if there was a wild tiger loose on the campus here somewhere, you might get eaten. And then you would have something to worry about. Okay? But if I tell you Today, after you leave, somewhere in the world there is a wild tiger loose. You should put two and two together and say, I'm in Upland. Odds of there being a wild tiger in Upland, probably even less than contracting Ebola. I'm good. And you should be able to put those thoughts together. The problem is, why don't we? Why do we let the fear take hold of us, especially when something good is going to happen? When we are looking forward to a good event, there's this imposing doom that hovers over us. Your child is engaged. Oh man, I hope he treats her right. Find out they're going to have a baby. I hope the baby's healthy. And what we start to do is predict something bad happening so that we could be prepared for when it does and we don't even realize that this fear, this worry is now dominating how we react to beautiful situations in our lives. But what we do is when something does happen, when our child does get in the car accident, I knew it. Well, you didn't know it the 364 other days that they didn't. You were just expecting it. So when it did, you said you knew it because you've been thinking about it every time. And now what happens is you start to project this idea. And then when it happens, you think, I knew it was going to happen. Because accidents are going to happen. Because life has worry. And as we go into this passage, we're going to see that. But what happens is we start to become like Job. Job used to offer off sacrifices to his kids because perhaps something would happen to them. 
And it says in Job chapter 3, verse 25, what I feared has come upon me. What I dread has happened to me. What was he doing? He had this fear that was dominating his life. And then when something happened, he said, I knew it. But in the story of Job, we don't see that it's that clear. It's not like it was always going to happen. We see that God orchestrated things, and it was apart from Job's knowledge. And so let's look a little bit more into this story that Jesus is talking about here. Because he says, verse 25, When I tell, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Now, these are pretty important things. He's not saying don't be concerned because you don't have to need anything. He's just saying don't worry about these things. And he lists some of them here, what you're going to eat or drink. And those are pretty important things because you need to eat or drink. And he's not saying to these people, don't worry whether you're going to go to habit or pyology after, you know, Sunday morning. Okay, what he's saying is, to these people, they weren't sure if tomorrow they would have food. And he's saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat, if you're going to have food, or drink, or what you're going to wear. It wasn't like they went to the closet, I don't know what to wear, I wore that last week, but I don't have anything else clean. It was like, don't worry if you don't have anything to wear. And then he says this. There's four words that you should underline. Is not life more? And then he lists the things. Food for the body more than clothes. Is not life more? You see, what... What Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that there is more to life than the things that we are worried about. There are more things that you should be focused on than the things that you are afraid of. And we are to think about what life is about, not what problems might come. Because he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And he gives a, a beautiful illustration. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And that's rhetorical. The answer is yes. Now, some birds have to eat 35% of their body weight a day. I know some of us think that would be wonderful if we could do that, right? Even other birds that aren't in that category only have to eat 10% of their body weight a day to survive. That's a lot. And so Jesus uses this illustration. Look at these animals that need so much to sustain their life and God is caring for them. Are you not more valuable than that? Is not life more than the things we worry about to survive? Isn't there more to life than just existing? 
putting the food on the table, making sure we have those things met. If that is your focus and that is your worry, you're missing the point of life itself. And he goes on and he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Again, this is rhetorical. Can you? No. In fact, they found out that worrying actually takes time away from your life. It causes heart problems. It causes damage to your body. If you worry all the time, it will affect your countenance. It will affect your posture. It will affect your demeanor. It will affect your life. Do you realize that? Do you realize that all the times you worry, all the times you're frowning, that it is having an effect on your person? on who you are. Isn't life more? Now, I'm not taking away from the things that are happening in your life. But no matter what is happening with your health, with your children's health, with your work, with whatever that situation is, your finances, is not life more. And Jesus is trying to help us see not only is life more, but there's something taking place in life we need to be aware of. Verse 28 says, why do you worry about clothes? He's getting personal now. Because they're out of style. He's saying, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And so he picks the most wealthy person in their minds, in their history, and he gives the contrast to this flower of the field that is taken and then is burned, is here today and gone tomorrow, and yet it is beautifully arrayed and that even the most Incredible and wealthy person you know wasn't clothed in the splendor like this. Do you realize that the things you're worrying about, that people who don't have that concern, maybe it's your job. I don't know how I'm going to make my ends meet. Man, we're cutting it just every month. It's, it's barely making things. There are people who make it every month and do you know they still worry? In other words, there are people you wish you could be like and who they still worry about things that you don't even know yet. So getting rid of that doesn't change this if this is part of the momentum of your life. You will find something else to worry about. You will find something else to be afraid of. Have you noticed that? That the problem doesn't seem to go away. Oh, great. You know, this has happened. They're not sick. They're, everything is okay. The cancer is in remission. Everything's fine. You will still worry about something else. Get a little cough. <clears throat> What's that? <clears throat> Ebola. <laughs> it must be. Why? Because you're wanting to prevent the idea that something devastating is going to happen and what we don't realize to live a full life you need to know that devastating things do happen but life is more now, i've got 
some bad news for everyone here. Sorry, I know you came on a Sunday morning to hear something encouraging and uplifting. My wife always says, you're going to encourage us, right? Sorry, hon, not today. (laughs) Everyone here is terminal. Thank you. We are all going to die. Now some of you are just freaked out right now. Ah, don't make me think of that. The whole point of that is to get you to think is not life more. Because if you're living as if these things shouldn't happen and you're trying to, to prevent tragedy from happening to your life so that when it does happen, you can deal with it. Okay, I understand something bad might happen, so I'm going to prepare myself for in case it does. I'm just going to be prepared. You know, you got to be prepared. I mean, God wants us to be prepared, right? Well, Jesus is telling us that we're not to worry. And he gives some basic things, but it's definitely trying to point us to something more conclusive. Because he says... If God takes care of the flowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Why am I of little faith? Because I'm worrying. Because God cares about you. Is that in the equation when the fear comes, when the worry starts to take control, do you recognize that life is more and that God actually cares or is God helpless in this situation he's powerless in this situation God doesn't recognize that they have cancer God doesn't recognize I just lost my job God doesn't understand and we won't say that because that doesn't make sense But isn't that what we are saying when we worry about these things? We're saying, God, you don't really care about me. If you did, you wouldn't let me have this disease. You don't really care about me or you wouldn't let this happen to my child. You don't really care about me Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this situation. And what we're doing is not recognizing that he really does care, even though you're in this situation. He says, do not worry, saying, what I'll eat, what shall I drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. The people who don't believe in God, that's all their life is about. You do believe in God. Isn't life more? then how is it showing up? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So here's the question. If he knows that I need it, then why am I in this situation? That's the honest question. That's the question we only ask ourselves or tell ourselves or when something devastating happens and we say, why God? Why did my child die? Why, God, why did I lose my job? Why, God, why did he leave me? Why, God? And we we start challenging God. And some of us don't say it out loud, but it's reverberating in our souls, and now we carry it. And it's like a 
backpack that we wear with us everywhere we go. And every relationship you go into, it comes with the damage that's happened with the relationship behind you. And you're afraid and you're worried that what that guy did, what that girl did, this person may do as well. And so you enter into that relationship just fearful and wondering, okay, are you going to hurt me? And instead of enjoying the fact that somebody likes me, oh great, I I get to be in a relationship, you're too worried about what may happen that you can't be present in what is happening. And even though you've had a tremendous loss, you don't see all the people who are around you, who are there to hold you and help you and support you. Those people who felt so lost and so alone, who took their lives. The family members I know and friends I know who have had family, people close to them, had husbands, had fathers, had children take their lives in suicide had no idea how much they were loved. And when they think nobody loves them, they are living in a delusion. Is not life more? Don't you see that you are loved? Don't you see that there is so much going for you in this situation? But the fear and the worry has blinded you and all you see is I need something to eat. I need clothes. I need a clean bill of health. But you're not realizing, no, life is more. You're missing the point of life. You're focusing on these things and you're not seeing what is happening around you. Can God still love me when I have cancer? Can God still love you when your wife leaves you? Can God still loves you, love you when these things happen to you? Or is that all that it is? The pagans worry about all those things, but God knows what you need. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, God's going to take care of you. It might not be the way you like, and it might not be the path you would choose. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Now, he should have just ended in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Yes, it ends happy, but he doesn't. He should have, you know, just stop right there. But he goes on and he says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Bam. Thank you. Oh no, what's the trouble for today? You see... There is enough on your plate today to focus on. But you're focused on what may happen tomorrow. What may happen 10 years from now. What will I do if this happens and if this happens and this happens? And again, we don't realize that that worry, that that fear is now driving our lives. And God is not really in the equation. Oh, we go to church. Oh, we pray. Oh, God, don't let this happen. Oh God, don't let this happen. And God's saying, what? I'm doing something today. I would, if, if I were you, I would worry about what's happening today because you don't even realize how bad it is today. Today's got a lot going on. Today has enough trouble of its own. 
because that's what he's saying. It's really, it's kind of sad. It's like, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't realize how bad it is today. You better deal with today because today has enough for your plate. You need to deal with what's happening with your life right now and where it's taking you. And are you allowing God to be a part of this thing? Because the underlying theme of what Jesus is conveying to us here in this passage is that you are of such value to God that he is not going to allow anything to happen in your life that will take away from the beauty that your life is supposed to be. A friend of mine was chatting with me online and she was worried about her parents who are in another city and she said that you know she needs prayer because she's worried and her mom is worried because her father is really depressed and they've never seen him this sad and I asked some question is you know what's happening what's he saying well he's not saying anything he just seems sad and I shared with her this passage of scripture. You know, I was going through it and I shared with her, you know, Jesus tells us, don't worry about what hasn't happened, that God cares for him. And I, I, I said, you know, the, the probably most important times in my life were probably also the saddest times in my life. The times where I had the most dramatic change for the good were the times where I had to learn some pretty hard lessons. The times where my faith in God soared were the times where it was really tested and it was really difficult. And I said, God is working in your father's life right now probably more than he will in any other time or has in the past. This is probably one of those events where he's really going to come out shining and you need to be able to see that God is doing something, that life is more in this situation. So try not to worry. And she said, I'm a woman, that's what we do. <laughs> Women, that's not an excuse. Moms, that's not an excuse. Jesus isn't saying there aren't problems and you shouldn't be concerned. He's saying today has enough. But he's saying, God is with you today. And what needs to take place in our lives for us to get past this momentum of fear, this momentum of worry, is to do what Jesus said. He says, consider. Think about this. You need to break the train of thought that you're in. This train of thought that says something bad is going to happen. This train of thought that keeps pushing you into this place. Because what's happened is you've developed a habit. And you don't realize it. We, we all develop habits. You know, sometimes you get nervous and maybe you, you start moving your ring because that's what you do when you're nervous. And you don't even realize it until someone points it out to you. Why are you doing that? I didn't know I was doing anything. Yeah, every time, you know, you get anxious, you start, you know... 
picking your nose or something. You just start doing something. It's just a habit, and pretty soon you're not aware of it. It just becomes automatic. And then when someone tells you, do you know you say the word um a lot? Um, no, I didn't. And then all of a sudden, oh, there it is. Um, what I, oh, oh, ah. Oh. And now every um jumps out at you. But you know, until they jump out at you, you won't know that they're there. And so maybe it's good that someone tells you, you say um a lot. So that you can be aware of it, so that you can start to make the change. Are you aware that you are fearful? And that you are living with this imposing doom that something is going to happen. And you're living that way because you want to be prepared for it. And you figure it's better to live like this than to deal with it when it comes. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that you're worrying about these things because you're not believing that God is actually caring for you and working and going to care for you? And do you realize that Jesus was talking to believers and non-believers in this passage, it's not just for you who are Christians, God cares about you and those other guys. Well, it's only the Christian flowers that God clothes and then he, you know. No, he does it with all the flowers. It's not just the Christian birds. It's all the birds. God loves you. And he is working for your benefit. Do you believe that the universe is postured to do all it can to help you? What would you do if you believe that? How would you live if you believe that everything in creation was given for you and that God was working all things out for the good because he loves you? Well, isn't that what Romans 8 says? What would happen if you believed it? What if instead of worrying about contracting Ebola, what about thinking God has given me this life today because he is doing everything he can to move life in my favor? You know, I've talked with families who have children with special needs. And I look at them and I think, oh, the, the amount of work that is involved caring for this child. And then I see how this child shapes the entire family. This this one who is considered weak, this one who is considered in many people to have deficiency, I see as having the most efficient, positive enforcement in this family's life. And I think, how does this happen? And we don't realize that God has not stopped working, that even though you are in this condition, that people think, oh no, that's terrible. God is saying, terrible? Don't you see what incredible things I'm doing in your heart? Is not life more than this? Do you see that God is moving the universe in your favor to accomplish what is good in your life? What would happen if we stopped letting fear drive us and we started saying God is in charge and he is working in my life I'm more valuable than the birds I'm clothed better than the the flowers of the field it is all being moved in my favor because my heavenly father loves me how would we live if we believed that because that is the truth It's not life more than the problem you're going through, 
than the struggles you have, than where you're at financially in health. Is not life more? Is not God wanting to do something deeper, lasting in your life? Is not God wanting to use you and shape everybody around you because you see that life is more? And if we would stop allowing fear to become our safeguard. You see, what we do is we use fear and we disguise it in prayer and mistake it for faith. And really, it's fear that's driving us. Well, it might happen. Well, it could happen. I'm going to pray that it doesn't happen. And really, it's fear that's driving you. And what we need to do is recognize God's at work. Oh, it looks bleak. And I've got stories that would make your blood curdle. Things that have happened in my life with my family. And I don't even share all the things that I I could for my family's sake. But there are times when the, the phone will ring and the first thing that my wife or I say, oh no, the phone rings because it's this post-traumatic stress disorder from the things that have happened. And, and I know some of you are in that same situation. But you see, when the situations happen and the phone call comes, do you see that God is more? Can you consider? Because that's up to you. You need to change how you see your relationship with God and his relationship with you. You need to understand his love. You need to consider the birds. You need to think about these things. So things are good. So things are pure. If there's any virtue, think on these things. Why should I think on those things? Because God is for you. And if you don't recognize that, you will live in constant despair of what may happen instead of recognizing where you are. Instead of recognizing, I'm a grandparent. Man, allow that to engulf your life. I'm going to get married. Allow that to take place. We're getting away for the weekend. I'm not going to worry, what if we fight? I'm just going to be ecstatic. We're getting away from the weekend. We never get away for the weekend. Stop being driven by your fear and by your worry. And consider the birds. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider your heavenly Father sees you as much more valuable. The trouble... They're here today. God knows about it. He's not telling you to escape from reality. He's saying, in spite of it, life is more. Let's pray. Father, so many times we do not realize that we are living in the momentum of our fear and our worry that it has carried us and is carrying us. We, we start thinking these things instantly. Whenever some good news happens, we're waiting for the bad news. Instead of recognizing your hand in our lives and enjoying the situations that we have 
instead of taking our relationship with you and bringing that to the forefront of the circumstances, Lord, we bring worry and we bring fear. And Lord, we need to repent. We need to change direction from this. And so, Lord, I confess to you, I worry. I fear. I fear what's going to happen with my life, with my children's life, with the community here at Genesis. There are so many things that I worry about, and I'm sorry, God. I'm not allowing your voice to override all these other voices. And Lord, as we are here this morning, I know I'm not alone. I know that there are people here who recognize, even as I've been sharing, that they are being driven by the momentum of the fears of the past and the worry of all that could happen instead of the recognition of what you are doing. And so, Lord, I I pray this morning that as we are here, that we would take a stand against this and we would recognize that you have told us that life is more. Alex is going to lead us in a song. And right now, I want us to make a declaration. If you have been living a life that has been paralyzed by fear and worry, and you recognize it now, maybe you've been living blind to it, would you stand with me right now and say, I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to live a life in recognition of God's working. I'm not going to let fear dominate my life. If that's you and you want to do that this morning, would you stand with me? And Father, you see us standing because we recognize a problem and we're considering something else, Lord. And today, when the problem comes, when the trouble comes, when the phone call comes, when the bad news comes, what we are going to do is consider. We're going to consider the birds. We're going to consider the flowers. And we're going to consider our God who says that life is more and he is with us. And so even right now, Lord, may we cast those cares on you and allow you to change us. In Jesus' name.